Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Nikita Schwer, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Croatian champion Nikita Schwer about winning and losing and learning to do both graciously and techniques for keeping her cool. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hello, partner. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jocelyn. How are you? I'm fine. Did you have a fun New Year's celebration? You had it quite a bit before mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I know. I know. It's a strange thing, actually, you know, because, of course, the newspapers online all track the New Year's Eve celebrations across the world. And it's like (laughs) some form of time travel. But, yeah, very nice time. Thank you so much. I'd love to tell you we were out partying and hanging from the (laughs) chandeliers. But, um, alas, you know, just at home in front of the TV. (laughs) And I was dancing on tables. Ah. I'm sure you can. uh, No, no, I wasn't. Um, (laughs) I was having a lovely time at home with my lovely family. Very nice. Very nice. You know, we're very, we're lucky and blessed and I hope everybody's had a nice New Year's transition and we, of course, wish everybody all the best for the new year. Yes. And good results at the bridge. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been playing a whole lot. How about you? Online. Yes. Online with robots, but not, uh, not much at the club. Um, but I did hear something funny about uh, the club. You know, we have these lessons, these classes that we offer the community. 
and they're really good and really successful. They start for the absolute beginners, and then it progresses over the course of a year or so in three different sessions. So the first session for, again, absolute beginners started in October, and the teacher wanted to let people know that signups were open for the next session and that people should sign up quickly because it does get filled up. And somebody in the class said, so is the next session for intermediate? <laughs> to which the teacher had to very uh, apologetically explain that, no, it's just more beginner stuff. <laughs> and that it might take through the whole course, the whole year-long course of three different sessions to reach an intermediate level. Oh. And it, to me, that was just, it's its sad, but it also is so emblematic, I guess, of the way we feel about this game and the pace at which we wish we could progress <laughs> in this game and how we need to learn to manage our expectations <laughs> because the pace is just not the way it is with other games yeah. that we may have played that we might have learned to master in a short period of time. But Bridge, no, not like that. But I thought that was just, that was very cute. It's so cute and also just the tiniest <laughs> bit heartbreaking. <laughs> heartbreaking, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, if you're out there listening, newbie, good luck. But stick with it. You'll get to that intermediate level <laughs> in, in 15 years. <laughs> yeah, like it took us anyway. <laughs> a new year, Jocelyn, brings a couple of housekeeping items which you discuss before we moved on to our letters. Okie dokie. <laughs> Make it sound really enticing, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them is just to remind everybody about Club Fell. It's been going really well. We really have enjoyed inviting people to tell us and share what's wonderful about their clubs. And so if you've been thinking about recording a Club Fell for the show, please get in touch. It's very, very easy. And we would love to spotlight your club on the show. Definitely. I want to hear about clubs in all kinds of fun, far off places so that I can put them on my my travel wish list. Yes, absolutely. Eat our wanderlust. <laughs> Send us your stories and your kvels. Another housekeeping item, something that's been brought to our attention, is that people are not always receiving the email announcements about the new episodes. It could be that they're going into your spam folders and... There's not much we can do about that. So the way to be sure that you are aware of new episodes is to follow the show in your app, for example, on Apple Podcasts. If you are able to get those on your phone, you will automatically have all new episodes downloaded. It's true for all of them. All of them. Like Spotify. Or if you um, have Audible or whichever app it is, there's a lot of them out there. But whichever one it is that you have on your phone, you can just follow the show and then I will all automatically always download and you'll always have the latest episode. Yeah. It's also really good for us too because 
It means that we know that you're listening and it really helps drive traffic to the show. And if you ever felt like leaving a review, we'd be very grateful. All that stuff that you hear, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe just means to follow. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. But, um, yeah, it would be a huge favour to us if you could do that. And also just to remind everyone to please share the show with their friends. We'd be very grateful. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now it's time for Club Quell. Club in the spotlight. Hello, this is Frank from Ocean City, New Jersey. My bridge club is the Cape May County Bridge Club on the southern New Jersey shore. We have games at 1230 on Mondays and Thursdays suitable for all players. Our amazing manager, Karen Sylvester, prepares some delicious lunches with fabulous desserts. She also organizes wonderful holiday parties contests and prizes we'd love to see you if you're visiting the jersey shore just tell karen you're coming and she'll find you a good partner so come on down email us if you'd like to quell about your club club in the spotlight i'm quelling three letters in the mailbag today jocelyn fantastic <laughs> I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> the first letter is actually from an ex-teammate of mine. And he writes about an event that we played in together. It was a big event with 92 teams all over Australia, competing over two and a half days and 10 matches. And it included most of the country's top players. The tournament had its usual ups and downs. And in the end, we finished 46th which wasn't too bad for an inexperienced quartet. Thinking everything was finished, I had to get back to work, so I left. Later that day, my partner called me to say that we'd won a prize, the Restricted Teams Trophy. This day, I still regret not being able to bask in the glory at the moment, but at least you, meaning me and my partner, were there. The four of us then got to share the cup for the next 12 months, so we rotated it from house to house. He says the cup took pride of place at my home for a couple of months, and it was an impressive piece of silverware. I still get a warm <laughs> inner glow whenever I think about it, so I'm grateful to you for being a teammate and being there to collect our trophy. Regards, Alan. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. It was exciting. And I totally feel bad for Alan for not being there to get to actually bask in the glory. Well, it was really funny because actually a lot of people had left. And I was just standing around. No, none of us expected we'd done anything. And next thing they're calling our name. And it really was this huge trophy. But they also, you know, they often throw in other bits and pieces as well. There was wine. And so I've gone up and they're like loading me all up. I felt a bit self-conscious, to be perfectly honest. But it was very funny and it was cute. And then, yes, as Alan says, we got to share the trophy from house to house for the next <laughs> year. So that was fun. Anyway, thanks, Alan. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> The next letter is from someone I believe you know, Jocelyn, Lauren from San Francisco. Oh, Lauren, she is a wonderful friend and a wonderful supporter of our show. Hi, Lauren. A number of years ago, I was playing at an NABC where my partner's wife fell ill and he had to leave after the second day. I decided to stay one more day and try to pick up a partner. 
Eventually, I met a player visiting from China who was interested, and so we went looking for teammates. We found an English pair who overheard me talking to one of my friends, and they said they were available. So we had a truly international team. Even with our iffy system card, which was put together with my partner's very limited English and my non-existent Mandarin, we started well. He handled the cards beautifully and our teammates came through and we handily won the first three matches. Feeling pretty good going into the finals, we sat down against two young men who looked to be teenagers. It quickly became apparent that we were seriously outclassed. They were outbidding us on every board and making contracts we thought had no chance. After the 12 boards were complete, our teammates returned and we told them that we hoped they'd had a good set because we certainly didn't. They didn't either and we ended up second. The two young men who blitzed us went on to win the NABC Plus Fast Pairs, which started the next day. Their names were Zach and Adam Grosak. <laughs> yes, I can imagine they were outbidding you and making unmakeable contracts. Yeah, <laughs> sounds right up their alley. But it's slightly less galling when you know it's it's two yeah. superstars, right? Better yeah. than being yeah. destroyed by some schlub at the neighboring club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that we've ever experienced anything like that. Um. <laughs> nice Lauren yeah, that's great thank you Lauren <laughs> and our final letter today Jocelyn is from Liam from Belfast and it's a limerick oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> the limerick is titled Disney plays bridge Snow White she played bridge don't you know in the bidding it swung to and fro when Grumpy complained Opie explained he thinks my eight spades is no go. <laughs> How about you read the second verse? Sure. This one looks to be about Alice in Wonderland. Now Alice played bridge every night. She played with the queen, t'was her right, against Hatter and Knave, who dug their own grave when they roughed the queen's king out of spite. <laughs> that would never happen. <laughs> So, Happy New Year, and if you have any fun stories about winning a trophy or coming up against the likes of two teen superstars at the bridge table or a limerick, then please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our contact information on the website at sorrypartner.com, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Nikita Schwer. Croatian champion Nikita Schwer started playing bridge at the age of 13. Her first international appearance was in 1987, playing for the National Open team. She has since played for the Open, Women's, and Mixed national teams, as well as on numerous international teams. She won a gold medal at the 2016 Women's Pairs World Championship, two bronze medals in the European Women's Teams Championships, and many top 10 placements in other European and World Championships. We began by asking how she learned to play. I learned when I was 13 because both of my parents played. My father played for the national team for seven years. 
but I didn't learn from them. I actually, I remember that I was in the seventh grade and I broke up with my boyfriend and, you know, I somehow lost suddenly company to socialize with. So, you know, I might take a bridge and it seemed that I was a kind of talented. So it went very quickly from that moment. <laughs> How did you know you were talented? Uh, I didn't know at that moment. Maybe I can see that now when I teach kids bridge and I can see what possible things they can't understand. And uh, I wasn't aware of that, but, you know, some other people who were around obviously thought that I was talented. So after a year and a half, I managed to play for the Open National Team first time. So it was 1987. <laughs> so you've been playing a while. Yes. And... Did you love the game straight away or was it a slow burn? You know, you were doing it. It was interesting, but. Well, I, I'm not sure about loving the game, but, you know, you always love something when suddenly everybody tells you that you are very good at it. And, you know, in Croatia, I was the youngest. I was the only woman. You know, it was a kind of making you special. And, you know, what I like about bridge actually is winning. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of always good. Do you ever not win? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody not wins sometimes. I, I mean, this is also something that is really good about Bridge. And uh, what I think when I teach my students at school, uh, I think this is the best thing. It doesn't matter if they continue playing or, you know, if they become extremely successful. But this thing about not losing properly, or this thing about understanding your partner and appreciating your partner. I think these are the most important things to teach, that bridge teaches young people and kids. How do you yourself react when you feel that you haven't, let's say, had a successful match? And how do you get over it? Uh... Yes, I don't, well, I don't like making mistakes. Nobody likes making mistakes. And this is the biggest problem. And yes, I mean, if my partner made mistakes or my teammates, it does, of course, matter so much as when I make them. Even though I'm a very extroverted person, when something like that happens, I somehow solve it in myself. I usually feel all right on the outside, but, you know, I need time. Uh, I guess the best thing to get over a bad match is to make a good match afterwards. Are you able to rebound quickly from a bad round or do you really have to make yourself get back into the hand in front of you? I think I can rebound quite quickly. Also, we, throughout our teams played for the national team, we had some sports psychologists and um, they kind of helped us overcoming bad words by partner, by you. There are, there are these little techniques like, uh, for example, when I was younger, I used to be very, mm, a bit nervous at the table, especially at the partner. I uh, asked for perfection, which could not, from me or from my partner, and it can't be achieved. And then my sports psychologist told me that before every match, I should make a list of bad things that may happen. 
like my partner might, I don't know, she would overbid something or something like that. And I make a list of five things. And then when such a thing happens, I just tick. I don't get nervous. I don't shout or something like that. I just put a tick. Usually I never need it, like all the ticks in the match. But, you know, just to be able, uh okay, this happened. This is normal. You know, it's going to happen. Okay, just a tick. So these little techniques sometimes help. So it allows you to shift it into the category of acceptance rather than maybe dread or anticipation or even anger. Yes, exactly. Yes. Interesting. Did your partner also have a list for you? Uh, she didn't have, for example, this problem. She never, I mean. That she told you about. No, no, no. We went to the psychologist together and we talked about this problem that I was the one who got upset. She was the one who needed, you know, to breathe in more times before she beats or something like that. You know, she had some other techniques with her problems. <laughs> <laughs> so if you felt that you knew what your partner might do to agitate you and you had taken care of that, you were fine. You didn't actually have any nervousness about anything that you might do. But then the problem was that I was a bit too, you know, temperament at the table. Temperamental. Yes, we had to solve this problem at the table. And uh, um, it, it wasn't really a problem about that, about my things. Okay. You described yourself as an extrovert. Yes, I am. Does being an extrovert and being temperamental at the table go hand in hand? Do they go together? Yeah, of course. Yes, definitely. Because, you know, every stress you have to immediately show it and you, you are solving it with showing it and then I calm myself down in this way. I used to more, not anymore. I don't get so temperamental today. So your long-term partner, the one we've just been speaking about, she wasn't an extrovert in the same way? No, no, no. She was completely introverted. Okay. Yes, yes. Have you yes, ever yes, played yes. against somebody with the same kind of personality as you at the table? I'm just curious what it's like if you're both being temperamental. Well, my temperament didn't show with partners who were not my steady partners. Okay. So it's it was really with, you know, it is... Uh, a few times I've been asked about partners and I always said that it's really more difficult to find it than uh, a husband because, you know, and you have actually, you have all these um, levels of, of relationship. Like uh, at the beginning, everything is so simple and you understand each other and blah, blah. <laughs> and then, you know, everybody starts complicating things. Uh you know, in bidding, in okay, but you somehow understand and so on. But then you come to the point where it gets on your nervous because people tend to make things that make the other person nervous. And then it comes, you know, all the other things of relationships. So it's different if you are with a steady partner, then you can somehow ask for more. You know, if you play with somebody occasionally. I mean, you have a lot of uh, misunderstandings because it's not your regular partner and it is normal, I guess. So do you have another regular partner now? Because you described this person you were playing with as a long-term partner, but I got a sense it was 
past tense? When I play for female national team, then I play with this fighter. But okay. uh, recently I've been playing for the mixed national team, so I, I had to have a male partner. So, yes. Thinking of those two partners, do you think they would say similar things about what it's like to be your partner? No, 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 definitely not. Because with my female partner, I was younger and wilder. And with my male partner, I've been, I think, I've been the nicest partner ever. So no, I have changed immensely really, as a partner. And what about as a bridge player? What would each of them say is your forte or, you know, relatively your greater strength in the game? Well, I, I think most people who know my bridge would say that I'm very steady. Some people have asked me sometimes, like, don't you have urge to, you know, to do something wild and uh, unorthodox or something like that? And I said, of course I do. I mean, everybody has, but I wait until it goes. And this is typically for me, somehow I can, you know, you have some things, but then you rethink and rethink and rethink. And then I finally do the rational thing. I, I rarely do the irrational thing. So I'm quite steady. And I'd say this is my strongest suit. That's very interesting. Was that something that you made a conscious choice about, perhaps after letting some of your wild instincts free reign at the table or never? No, 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 never. No, it is in my character. Things that I probably understood bridge as something like business because it's something that I prove myself in. And for example, in school, I was always extremely responsible, always on time, always doing things properly. So I guess it's simply transferred on bridge. I'm not so responsible in my private life, but in bridge, totally. <laughs> Have there been any areas where your game has changed over time? Yes, I think that my overcalls have become wilder, which now my present partner is complaining about. But I remember that I was extremely steady overcaller when I started playing bridge. But, you know, these things have really changed a lot. And I've been playing bridge for too long. So, yes, I think my overcalls have become weaker. I wanted to get back to something you said earlier. When you were talking about teaching students and seeing some students seeming to have potential right away, what does that look like? What, what do you see? And are you ever surprised by maybe a dark horse in the class who you don't think has that much potential, who then shows that you may have underestimated that person? Somehow today it is difficult because there are kids who have never seen any playing cards. You know, they really, at one point, I don't know, some years ago, you didn't have to teach what a trick is. 
And today, not only uh, you have to do that, but you have to explain, you know, the difference between king and queen because they don't play these things. So uh, uh, it's difficult to judge because whenever somebody had played any kind of uh, card game, he will at the beginning be extremely more developed than the others. So, you know, you can't see that so quickly. But there are, there, there are at one point some, for example, developing tricks. If you see a kid that, you know, he can understand developing tricks, then he is talented for sure. <laughs> Do you put your students in categories of like, this one is going to learn this aspect of the game quickly, but this other one will take off in another area? Or does it not really play out that way? Yes, it does. I mean, you often, you, you, you're actually often surprised by some students how well they learn, I don't know, a statement or what you do with transfers or things like that. But often there are kids who, if you ask them verbally, they will tell you everything perfectly or the points, everything. But you know, if they get cards and have to do something with those cards, they will forget everything they knew when you asked them theoretically. So, yes. And then, on the other hand, you have kids who understand the game but can't learn, you know, when you open with, what you open with five cards and what you open with four cards. So, uh, yes, it's always the problem with those who want to learn and those who are practical but lazy. Some people, when they're talking about aptitude for bridge, focus more, say, on mathematical skills. But I've also heard some people say that real aptitude for bridge is less about that and maybe more about the ability to construct a narrative or to basically create a story and that people who understand the story of what's going on at the table, the story of the hand, have a more natural aptitude for the game. I don't think that... There are many good bridge players who are really not talented in numbers or, yeah. you know, think, I, I don't think it is very probable. So you must have some natural inclination towards that. But there are so many other things. There is this psychological part that you can't really miss. Uh, and this psychological part, interestingly, improves with uh, experience it's it's you know the more you play bridge more or less you are going to have usually better judgment at some hands and uh, of course a read table presence i mean it is really important part of the game so you know there there is a hand i was playing i was really young and it was uh, it was my second time that i was playing for the national team. It was 1988, the Olympiad in Venice. And I was very young. We had a really bad team and uh, we were really standing, I don't know, in the last four. But we were playing against Poland, who had been second in the previous Olympiad. And everybody expected a lot from them. And we were playing Martins Szymanowski. And I think it was the last match. And in the end, we beat them 21 to 9, which was really surprising, considering that we were bad and they were good. But <laughs> they, we, won, we won 21 to 9 with the hand where 
Martins and Shimanovsky had a kind of bad score, and they played, they beat seven diamonds in the last game. And I had in diamonds 10, 7, 5. And I led the seven of diamonds. And the dummy goes down with queen, jack, nine. So I led the seven of diamonds, queen, king, ace. Then Martins played small. I put five. And theoretically from doubleton, we leave high, low. And he very smoothly put the nine and made seven diamonds. And I was, of course, very upset. And then I later talked to his teammates and uh, I asked how he guessed that he should put the nine. And they told me that I simply flinched. You know, when I put the seven, queen, and then there was the king, and then I suddenly, I was 16, and it was Martins. And, you know, of course, I mean, I flinched a bit, but it was Martins. So he read it immediately because I suddenly saw that my third ten might be the trick. So these things, I mean, I don't do these things anymore. I don't flinch. When it comes to reading the table, I might notice these things, but I always feel torn about whether or not to act on them. First, I don't know if someone's trying to trick me. But secondly, you know, sure as I then play this card, I should have played that card and they just had an itch, you know, and that's why they flinched. Do you have any advice for how to translate when to act on those things and when not to? Well, I mean, this is a helping thing. and I mean, you're not going to, most good players are not going to make some crazy plays because somebody flinched. These things help you when it's a pure guess. Right. Or, you know, when... You saw that somebody wanted to bid but didn't. But, uh, you know, things like that. When you need some help not to make a thing just a guess. I mean, normally you play on chances. We play bridge. (laughs) I'd like to pick up a thread related to bridge aptitude. How important is it, do you think, to be able to visualize the cards pictorially? People tend to visualize things differently. Some people, when they, when you might say, imagine a chair, they can't even see a chair. They just literally see the words chair or they might not have any image in their mind at all, whereas other people will imagine a chair right down to the kind of stitch on the fabric. And I think a lot of bridge players can literally see the cards in their mind. Do you see the cards like that? And how important is it? I'm not sure that I'm, I I don't think I'm very visual person. I have been, I have always been terrible at drawing. So I guess (laughs) that I'm not very visual in that sense. So I don't know about other people, but no, I don't. It's more like mathematical to me. Is it like a four digit code that you assign to each hand? I don't know. Uh, um, For example, I'm not sure how it influences things. But for example, I hate playing online. Like really hate, but in the sense that, you know, when you play normal bridge, then you look at cards and you have eight card fit and you know opponent should have three and two or four and one or something like that. When I play online bridge, I'm like this old lady who has to count, aha, now there were four trumps out 
and then four drums. And that, I don't know for what reason. I mean, I catch myself doing that. I don't do that always. But I actually don't see anything when I play online. It's like um, some disability or something. Don't like it. Really don't like it. So you have a completely different experience placing the cards in the hands when you play in person versus online. Completely. Completely different. Yes. I don't know if maybe if you play, since I, I don't like it, I played rarely. But I don't know, you know, if people play it all the time, maybe they get used to that or something. And I am generally speaking a bit of a technophobe. So, you know, I'm not the perfect person to talk about that. But I definitely, I mean, I can't compare it. I mean, it's a disaster. <laughs> That's so interesting. I remember when I started playing online, I couldn't make head or tail of it. And now I play so much that, yeah, I'm quite used to it. And you enjoy it. Well, I don't mind it. I've gotten used to it. I don't mind it. So mm. I, 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 I suspect part of it for you is just not doing it that often. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have you had the experience of playing in live tournaments, but with tablets? Uh, I've never played completely on iPads, but uh, I did play recently two European Championships, and European Championships are now played, uh, I mean, they are bid on tablets. And I must say, even though I hate tablets, I like that. It didn't take away this thing because, I mean, we had bidding boxes, so bidding boxes are not necessarily more connected to cards than tablets. And uh, there is there is definitely this, this avoidance of cheating while bidding with tablets. So um, I don't mind it as much as if they took my cards. I really wouldn't like that. So during the pandemic, most of us didn't have really any alternative but to turn to online bridge. Did you just not play bridge? Uh, no, I did play bridge. I played it less. I even played, we played uh, qualifications for European Championships online. It was two years ago, I think. So uh, I played it when I had to. And uh, it was a bit all right. For example, this championship was a bit all right because, you know, we moved to the place where we all played as a national team and, you know, there were observers and there was nobody in the room and so on. The problem, of course, problem with uh, online bridge is that, you know, I do a lot of other things by playing online bridge, yes, when you are at home. So this is definitely another element of not being concentrated and it's difficult to avoid it when you're home. What's the biggest schlamozzle or muck-up that you've ever made at the bridge table? We might pick this up again after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we're back. So just to remind everybody, we were talking about Nikita's biggest schlamozzle or maca at the table. Well, you know, in such a long bridge experience, one had to have a few of them. Like, you know, you go down 4,000 or something like that. Uh, and doubled contracts plus I don't know how many. But I remember once playing in two one feet doubled on, I don't know, fifth level, because it was, of course, after two diamonds, uh, week two in one major or something like that. But I remember it was two one feet five hearts doubled or something like that. Oh. Was that your partner's fault? <laughs> of course it was my partner's fault. No, we want to hear about your schlamazels. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I, I actually think it was for sure. I, I mean, to end up in something like that, I think both of us had to be. <laughs> I, I don't remember. It was really long time ago, but I remember the situation that it happened. What is your favorite tournament to play? Well, I have a lot of uh, tournaments that I like, but definitely my favorite tournament is the one in Croatia. Uh, it is a Pula tournament in September. Uh, it is probably today one of the biggest tournaments in Europe for sure. There are 300 pairs and I don't know, 120 teams or more. And um, it has been going on for 60 years so uh, I was at that tournament when I was two because my my parents both played and all us bridge kids were growing together this tournament and of course it is my favorite tournament uh, by far. Is there a book that's been particularly influential on your game or that you love to return to or that you recommend most highly? Well, I always like like reading Zia's books because they give you this element of deception that you always miss and didn't think about, uh, particularly his last book. It's called Bridge, A Love Story. And I really enjoyed it for numerous reasons. So uh, I would really recommend it. Yes. For all your love of bridge, is there anything about bridge that you don't love so much or that bothers you? Sometimes when you play high-level bridge and, you know, a lot of people are professionals and they 
you know, everybody tries very hard and it is, uh, there are some other things involved. People sometimes forget this friendliness thing and sometimes can get a bit nasty and even lie what was going on and what happened. And, you know, when you see that, or for example, when I don't like when people try to catch points, you know, um, they try to catch you because your card fell off or something like that. Of course, you. I mean, this is also an element of concentration and uh, on a high level bridge, it should be punished. But, you know, when you see that somebody is uh, simply trying to catch this moment, you know, and is happy if this happens. Right. I mean, I never like, I never like to call the director for a revoke. I mean, you do that on a high level bridge. You do that because you play in a team and it's a thing that you should do and things like that. But I, you never like that, you know. I sometimes forgive revokes and things like that. That's very nice. I don't think everyone's as nice as that. I mean, it's normal because it's it's also a lack of concentration. But, you know, uh, it's sometimes people try to catch you and, you know, in these stupid things. I, I don't like this part. Do you have a favorite bridge convention that you like to play with all your partners? No, not any special one, but for example, I like this serious, non-serious thing. Because when you get into a forcing a sequence and uh, your partner wants you to cube it, and you know, sometimes it's yours in a range of uh, 11 or 15 and it's a big difference. So, you know, I like this thing. Trinal Trump, you know, I would cube it if you really force me to, but otherwise I will never. Things like that. It kind of helps it shorten this range. So you like non-serious? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's important that one of these is serious, the other is non-serious. I personally play Trinal Trump as non-serious. Is there a bridge convention that you think is an utter waste of time? I don't know, maybe this, but it's known. I mean, it, a lot of people have abandoned it. So these four clubs, four diamonds, four hearts and uh, spades, nine and a half tricks or nine tricks. I mean, I, I think this is a waste, waste of time, really. Is that Namyats? Namyats, yes, yes. What is the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given or that you can share with our listeners? I think that uh, to lead, especially against no Trump, from three small or something, not actively, like uh, to lead in match points passively, especially over one or Trump and so on, because you don't want to give them trick and you have time when it is one or Trump to do something afterwards. You don't have to lose a trick immediately and get the bottom with the bad lead, for example. I like that one. It really, it's useful. It's really concretely useful. Nikita, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been so terrific talking to you. Thank you. Goodbye. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Nikita Schwer. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner Posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Katherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. 
Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. Join the Sorry Partner Posse, purchase books through our site, explore the merch store. These links and links to Club Kvel are in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Nikita says, at match points, when defending against no trump, consider a passive lead. There's no need to give away an unnecessary trick at trick one. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.